New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. My co-host Andrea Donsky is away today. I remember hearing this word many years ago and, and been trying to put it into practice ever since with, with some success sometimes and other times I get lost in the clutter of my own mind. We're going to be talking about being present with mindfulness and we've got the fantastic Anna Black with us. She has written some fantastic books. Today we're going to be talking about mindfulness and also the little pocketbook of mindfulness. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. Anna, welcome. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, when did you first get uh, involved in mindfulness, or when did this become part of your consciousness? Um, probably going back to about 2002, 2003. Um, I was looking for a way to manage my own stress, just the typical work stress, life stress that we all face. And I just came across the book For Catastrophe Living by John Kabat-Zinn, and it it just was a real eye-opener for me. Uh, and I was really enthused about this um, particular secular format of mindfulness. And so I went on to do a um, master's program at the University of North Wales in Bangor, Mindfulness-Based Approaches to Health. And then I started teaching uh, in central London um, from about 2006, whilst I continued to work full-time in in publishing. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, I love in the book you write, uh, the realization that I could stop struggling and start from where I actually was gave me a huge feeling of release. And I thought that was really huge because I think a lot of times we're in the past, we're thinking about tomorrow. We're not actually like, right, what is going on right this second? And I think it's so easy to, um, you know, we can really resist how things actually are when they're not how we would like them to be and mm. uh, you know it's understandable um, but we it can take so much energy wishing that things were different and uh, trying to uh, make things different when sometimes it's just really not possible and so uh, actually when we accept that when we realize that it becomes a very active process that we can then uh, from a starting place of actually acknowledging how things are, make the right choices about what we do next. I like that. In the book, you write mindfulness defined, deliberately paying attention to things we normally would not even notice and becoming aware of our present moment experience as it arises non-judgmentally and with kindness and compassion. And what you said a minute ago was so profound about it's if we're not where we want to be, right? Then it's easier not to pay attention. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we do a lot of the time. We um, move uh, into autopilot. We kind of zone out. And uh, again, it's understandable when maybe it's a, a noisy commute or it's some, you know, very routine oriented activity that we're doing day in and day out. And we just uh, we don't want to be present for it. But unfortunately, the downside of that is that it becomes our default. And so we actually then zone out of uh, everything in our life, including all those small positive moments that can have um, a really big difference to, in our lives. So how do we tune into those, those moments so we don't miss things? Because so often, like I said, we're just, and we're also so, you know, overcommitted and stressed out and overly connected and looking at our phones and everything else going on right now. 
It is. It is. In in many ways, it's it's so simple because it really is just paying attention to our experience. So um, that's our inner experience, thoughts, emotions, physical sensations, as well as our outer experience. So the sounds around us, the weather, nature, whatever. Uh, so the hardest thing is remembering to do it. So even if you were, so for example, this morning I was out early walking my dog in the park and um, there was that moment when I felt the sun on the back of my legs but the coldness of the early morning air and I could hear the birds singing. And just for a minute or two, I was just so present in that moment uh, and it was terrific. Uh, I love those moments. I think nature is one of the best ways. Nature is such a good way to um, access this um, this type of being, I think. But we can also access it just by tuning into our breathing, just tuning into our body. What are we feeling now in this moment uh, is always really interesting. Are we sitting hunched over so our body's kind of contracted? You know, if we just make a small adjustment and sit up tall, how does that feel? How does that affect our mood? And, some, you know, there's such a strong mind-body connection that, um, that really we can uh, help, um, help us help ourselves, really, as well as get really important feedback about how we're feeling. Yeah, and I like that. And, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm very hands-on, I like to have something to help me out. So let's talk about this mindfulness on the go. You've got, this has 52 cards, 64-page illustrated book. It's beautiful, by the way. Who did the, did you do the illustrations or, or the paintings? No, no, there's, um, they have a terrific illustrator, Amy Louise Evans, and she's done mm. all my books and, and she's done a great job, I think. Yeah, she but really it's a lovely has. Little I mean, package. it's calming. Yeah, it's calming just looking at it. <laughs> it's gorgeous. <laughs> so the idea, um, the reason I, um, I wanted to do something like this was really, uh, to help people integrate mindfulness into their daily lives. So when you're trying to do this on a regular basis, the, the choice of things one can do can be overwhelming. What shall I do today? Am I going to pay attention to my breath? Am I going to do this or to do that? And so um, the idea is really simple. You just pick one of the cards at random and it'll either be an activity card, so something that perhaps will help you be aware of habitual patterns of um, behavior or thought, um, or it might be a practice card, so something like um, maybe tuning into your body once or twice a day. And just for the day, you just do that one thing. And so um, over time, hopefully, um, you become so familiar with these practices that you just find yourself doing them uh, anyway. And then one of the things I, I really wanted with the random nature of the card um, and choosing um, a card uh, that was sort of out the deck was that you just did whatever it told you rather than choosing the one you wanted to do. Because sometimes, like um, you know, it's quite helpful to perhaps explore something that normally uh, we wouldn't want to, maybe go out of our comfort zone a little bit. And so this is just a really sort of gentle way to help you do that. I think that is so brilliant because I could see myself being like, okay, you know, if I'm at it, I like that one where you're at the stoplight, right? And you got to you tune into your body, tune into your breath. I, I can, I do that regularly. But what if there's something where I'm like, nah, I don't really want to do that. 
It's like, oh, okay, but I picked it and or I didn't pick it. I mean, I, it's random and now I'm going to do it. And so I like that because otherwise you are, you're right. You said it perfectly. You're just going to stay within your comfort zone. Exactly. And, and even if it's something, you know, obviously if it's something that, you know, for maybe you just wouldn't be able to do that thing that particular day for whatever reason, sure. then of course it's fine to put the card back. And if you really didn't want to do it, then nobody's going to force you. But so, but it's it's there and it's your choice. But it's just you know reminding you that sometimes um, it's it's good to mix things up a little bit and perhaps do things that we wouldn't normally do. Even if, uh, one of them, for I example, agree. is eating something you don't like. How often do we do that? Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> not very. You know, so maybe something that maybe all your life you've said, oh no, I don't eat that. I don't like that. And what if you just try it, just one little bite? And it's it's not about liking it. It's just about exploring this um, uh, and being willing to uh, turn towards and perhaps uh, do something a little bit different and, and explore what that not liking feels like in our experience. So the thoughts that come up, the emotions, the physical sensations in the body. You know, one of the things that you write about in Getting Started is the power of intention. You write, setting a clear intention at the start of the day or whenever you pick up your card is a really helpful way to support your practice. Talk to us about that. Yes, intention can be really powerful and um, it can work on so many different levels. And I think um, we, I mean, I know I can be quite lazy sometimes with the way I do things. So if I really notice the difference when I do set a, a clear intention. And it may just be that, you know, I'm going to be kind to myself or I'm just going to do the best I can with this. Uh, but it just reinforces, I think, um, and helps guide us a little bit more. I think so, too. Now, when a lot of people think about mindfulness, they think about mindfulness meditation. But this is this is something else. This is where you're actively... Well, some of them are active, right? And then some of them are doing and some of them are acting. Talk to us about that. And, and where does meditation fit in, if at all? So um, uh, you can cultivate mindfulness through what we call formal practices. So the med meditation, which um, could be something like uh, sitting practice where you're sitting, watching your breath or something like that um, for, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And those are really good practices to do. And I do encourage people to do those on a regular basis, but maybe start off with something um, quite short. Uh, and then there's informal practice. And so the idea of the informal practices, which is what the majority of these ones are, is that we're integrating them into our everyday. And that's often what people find most challenging, um, you know, because it's when we're going about our daily life at work or with the kids or at home that actually that's when we're getting pulled in 101 different directions and our mobile, our cell phone's going and, you know, um, we've got all these demands on us. So the challenge often is actually um, it's easier to sit and meditate for 10 minutes in the quiet space at home than perhaps in the office, um, you know, to stay present and, and focused. So the idea of the informal practices is you're, um, you're bringing your mindfulness into your everyday and and cultivating it in in these challenging circumstances now in your book the little pocketbook of mindfulness don't dwell on the past or worry about the future simply be in the present with mindfulness meditation so this is yet another you've done so many great books 
I, I mean, <laughs> it's really, the work you've done is really incredible. And you also have this, this, I'm assuming it's the same artist, those beautiful illustrations in, in this book as well. And I think to have a guide that is so well done can really help us on this journey. And in chapter one, you talk about what is mindfulness. Chapter two is tuning into the body. Breathing is a great way. What are some other great ways to tune into our bodies? Um, sound is a terrific one, I think. Um, and just mm. noticing the sounds around you um, and noticing how they feel in the body. So, of course, those might be really pleasant sounds, like the sound of birds in the morning or music, but they could equally be the sounds of drilling or building works or a noisy neighbor and noticing how that feels in the body. Um, so sound is always great. Um, walking is a really nice body-focused practice because that's really accessible. Um, you can do that just um, being out for a walk in the park or maybe just walking around the home or the office, you know, if you're going from one room to the next, just using that as an opportunity to drop your attention to the soles of the feet and just be in the body, just Know what you're doing while you're doing it. So walking rather than looking at your cell phone, thinking about what you're going to do next. And that is so challenging right now. I mean, I always find myself looking at my phone and I think, why am I? Okay, put it away. Just be present. But then I'll think, oh, but what if so-and-so wrote or, oh, shoot, I forgot to do this or what about that? I mean, today I had to bring my daughter to an appointment and she's trying to show me something in a book and I'm on my phone and I put it away, but then... I realized that I, I made a mistake on something. I have to fix it. It's like, mommy, you're back on your phone. I'm like, I'm trying not to be. I swear I'll be, you know. So sometimes there is something you need to attend to if it's for work or something. But you have to be able to separate and, and not always be on your device because it's it's just harmful for us. It is. And I mean, I, I to be honest, phone practice is a really challenging one for me too. I am overly attached yeah. to my phone. And I think this is where something like mindfulness can be helpful Because you can Mm. just pay attention to how you're using something like that and just noticing whether actually you're checking it, you know, every couple of minutes. And and you're checking it in a very automatic way, uh, just out of habit or boredom, rather than because actually there's a genuine reason. So the first thing we always encourage people to do is just pay attention to um, what you're doing now. And just notice it. So don't judge it. Don't give yourself a hard time about it. It's just like, ah, oh, there I go again, you know, going on Facebook, yeah. <laughs> checking my emails, whatever it might be. Um, and then once you um, have brought it into awareness, then you can start making choices and say, okay, I'm going to um, be very clear about when I want to access my phone. Um, if you do need to use it for a particular reason, then of course you have it there. But maybe you turn it off or you don't bring it to the dinner table or if you're talking to your kids, you put it away. You know, so you maybe create some boundaries. If you feel that the the relationship you have with at the moment is a bit unhealthy and it could be that it's not and in that case, you know, you don't have to do anything. So it really is very um, individual about what each person discovers for themselves and what they would like to do differently. So it's not about Uh, anyone telling somebody you need to do this or that. I think it's much better that people explore for themselves what would be helpful for them. I agree. And I think what you have in the book uh, with the cards and with 
with your book, looking at the little pocket of, of mindfulness, or little pocket book, excuse me, of mindfulness, I think it makes a difference because it, it gets you to slow down. You know, one area of mindfulness that I have gotten better at is mindful eating in terms of when I am eating, I really focus on it. I close my eyes. The other night at dinner, it was funny. My daughter looked at my, our, my husband, her dad, and she said, I'm going to imitate mommy. And she like closes her eyes. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I'm being mindful. Okay. You know, <laughs> and like, you should imitate mommy. This is a good thing to do, especially if I'm eating something really decadent. So I'm yep. not just, you know, so I'm, I'm really into it. I'm into the moment. I'm eating that rich chocolate dessert. That's just a special occasion kind of thing. And I mean, I'm in the restaurant closing my eyes and making sounds. I don't care what people think. I'm, I'm having fun. <laughs> but that's great. You know, I mean, particularly yeah. if you're um, having a treat like that, you know, uh, it is a treat. So enjoy it. Be yeah. present for it. You know, too often we'll have this endless debate in our head about, you know, am I going to have that piece of cake or whatever or dessert? Oh, yeah. And then when we eat it, we start feeling guilty. I shouldn't be having this. Oh, no. You know, what are the calories and all of this kind of thing? And so we spoil the experience of eating it. So um, if we are giving ourselves a treat like that, then I would say be present for it and savor every single mouthful. And it's so much tastier and so much richer for doing so. Oh, it really is. You know, jumping back into uh, your book, hold on one second, I apologize, that little pocketbook of mindfulness, my screen went blank there for a second, I didn't want to mess up the title. You talk about uh, being with the difficult. Like, w- Talk to us about that, because I think that goes back to what we opened with when you were talking about if you're not happy where you are, it's easy to yeah. not focus or not be present. So um, when we practice mindfulness, we're learning to be with all our experience. So the good, the bad, and the boring, just whatever comes up, the idea yeah. is we turn towards it. And um, uh, the, the reason for this is, you know, there are so many things that sometimes happen in our lives that we can't avoid. That might be physical pain, emotional pain. Um, and um, our natural tendency actually is to resist it to want to make it go away and we might distract ourselves we may um, do other unhelpful behaviors whereas actually if we um, if we can find a different way of being with these difficulties and turn towards them so turn towards them um, the first step of that is acknowledging that they're present so rather than pretending that we're not in pain for example and then um we can do things like maybe focus on our breathing as a way of being with the pain, or we could um, move in a little bit closer and uh, explore it with a sense of curiosity. Well, where am I feeling it? What does it feel like? How would I describe it? But whatever we're doing, we're not doing it with the intention of making the pain or the difficulty go away. It's a way of moving a little bit closer, making friends with it, um, because we can't get rid of it, and if we try and pretend it's not there, we expend so much energy, and it can create, you know, all kinds of additional problems or, or sort of mental suffering in the way that we um, process these things. So if we can approach it in a different way, we can learn to relate to it differently. So what we then find is, although um, the difficulty or the pain doesn't necessarily go away it's still there but actually we're not so caught up in it we're not 
it's it's not so painful because we're not adding all those extra stuff the the story the narrative that we're telling ourselves about it so it becomes easier to to be with it but it is difficult oh, that makes sense and the you know the idea is that you would um build up your um sort of foundational skills in terms of using the breath or the body as a as a way of anchoring yourself and grounding yourself um, over time so that, you know, you then, um, when you turn towards something that's a bit trickier, a bit more difficult, you're not going to get swept away by it. So it really is important when you're doing any of this type of thing that you do take care of yourself. And, you know, if if you have, we always recommend that um, you start um, experimenting with the small annoyances. So, for example, um, you know, when we're meditating, the itch on our nose, the pins and needles, or maybe, you know, a piece of food that you don't like or, or something like that, rather than some big issue that um, has a lot of emotional um, issues around it that perhaps might feel overwhelming. So it's always really, really important that people do take care of themselves. And sometimes, you know, it, it's better not to turn towards things until we're ready for them as well. Oh, I like that. that. Can you expand on that just a little bit? We have a few more minutes, but I really like what you just uh, said. So what, in terms of when it's um, helpful and not helpful? Yes. So, um, so for example, um, I think um, we all have um, a kind of built-in safety system, really. Um, so if, if something difficult, um, a relationship breakup, for example, or a bereavement, we do have to go through a process where um, we we kind of need to protect ourselves a little bit, and and sometimes that means um, taking care of ourselves and um, not not tuning into the pain, so not opening ourselves up to the grief or or the pain or or whatever if we don't feel ready for it, because it's so easy for these things to overwhelm us. And particularly if we have some additional vulnerabilities like um, depression or, or anything else like that. So um, it, timing, I think, is often everything. And it, it's, it's important that we feel ready to, to turn towards something that's difficult rather than feeling forced um, in doing so. And what we encourage people to do is um, to nibble away at the edges. It's a bit like dipping your toe in the water when it's really cold. You dip your toe in the water, you allow yourself to experience, you know, the emotional pain, for example, or the physical pain, but maybe only for a second or so, and then you pull back to something like the breath or the feet on the floor, that sense of sitting, the buttocks on the seat. Um, So then you might turn towards the pain for another second or so and then come back to the breath. So it's really important that there is this element of gentleness and and patience and um and just taking it slowly it's not about gritting your teeth and saying right i'm gonna i'm gonna be with this because that's what i've been told i've got to do and your body's all tense and your teeth are gritted and you're you know you're clenching your fist that's not helpful that's not kind that's not going to help you in any way at all so you know that uh that thread of kindness is is absolutely fundamental when we practice mindfulness and kindness towards ourselves and kindness towards other people. 
Hannah, speaking of kindness, you are so kind and lovely, and I have so enjoyed this interview. Tell us all the ways we can get all your fantastic work. Um, thank you. It's been great to talk to you. Um, so um, my books are published by Seco, um, part of Ryland Peterson Small. You should be able to get them in all good bookshops and online. Um, as, as you said, there are, there are several. There's Living in the Moment, the little pocketbook of mindfulness, mindfulness at work, and then the new one, uh, Mindfulness on the Go, and also A Year of Living Mindfully. So I have been busy over the last few years, but uh, I have a great publisher who support me really well. So um, I've been very lucky that people enjoy the books and buy them and, and want more of them. So I really appreciate that. They are fantastic. And I love A Year of Living Mindful. You'll have to come back and talk about that one. That is such a fantastic book. Really, you are so incredibly talented. I want to thank everyone for listening. And I especially want to thank our wonderful sponsor this month, Bigelow Tea. They have a new line, Benefits, which has fantastic ingredients like turmeric and matcha and echinacea. And they are delicious and they are well blended together in a perfect way that's going to make your mouth and your body happy. So check them out, BigelowT.com. Be sure to check us out, NaturallySavvy.com, at NaturallySavvy on Twitter, at HealthMediaGal1 if you want to follow me. And also be sure to rate and review on iTunes. It makes a big difference. So glad you listened today. Let's be mindful and stay well.